0: This is Mises Weekends with your host, Jeff Dice. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to Mises Weekends. I'm your host, Jeff Dice. Happy to be joined this weekend by uh, two very special guests. Of course, you all know Dr. Joe Salerno. He's the VP of Academic Affairs here at the Mises Institute, and one of our returning summer fellows, Carl Friedrich Israel, from Germany. Uh, He is a PhD candidate at University of Angers with Dr. Guido Halsman and will be a PhD, I think, by about year-end in economics. And so we're thrilled to have him back for a second summer. Coming up this next week is the Rothbard Graduate Seminar, RGS. It's an annual program where we have about uh, 30, 50, sometimes more uh, people who are interested in the ideas of Austrian economics come to Auburn and spend a week with us studying one of the great treatises. Uh, This week, it's Human Action, uh, the the Scholar's Edition, which of course is identified by Joe and others as as one of the four major treatises in Austrian economics. Obviously, Karl Menger's Principles would be the first and earliest, then Bomberwerk's, I guess, three volumes on Capital and Interest. Uh, Mises comes along with Human Action, uh, f- first as National Economy in the 30s, and then the Fuller Human Action in the 40s, and then Murray Rothbard finally in, I guess, 1962 yes. comes out with Man, Economy, and State. So. Obviously, from our perspective, there's, there's a tremendous amount of value in studying these great works. Uh, we have a, a, a fantastic lady, Alice J. Lilly, who provides us some, some funding every year to make this Rothgard graduate seminar possible, and, and we're so grateful to her. But, you know, to the attendees, it's, it's really almost a privilege, isn't it, to be able to take a week of your life to come and spend and study and read a masterpiece like this. Most people don't have that luxury.
1: Yeah, that's true, I think. Um, and the Rothbard graduate seminar really fills a niche that is not filled by uh, universities uh, nowadays, increasingly so. So the the seminar is in the tradition of a great books seminar, where you read uh, an important text and then get to discuss the text with uh, with the other participants. Right. And um, nowadays at the university, um, it's mostly only lecture format. That's the way you learn stuff today. And um, there are only just a few universities in the U.S. still that uh, hold up to the great books tradition. Right. I think uh, one, one of the leading universities that still does it is the University of Chicago.
0: Right, right. And also St. John's in Annapolis. Yes. Uh, prov- but what happened to this seminar model? Why don't we read great books anymore other than the white privilege aspect of it? Why, what, what happened? Why, why, why are we stuck on this one-way
2: lecture model? Yeah, I mean, that's the, unfortunately the way it's been uh, since the, uh, you know, 1400s, uh, the, you know, 1400s, you know, the, the, the right. chalk and talk uh, model, right. as, as we call it. Uh, the technology is changing that somewhat, and they're even talking about reversing the classroom where th- the students would actually do the problems and problem solving in the classroom and, and read the text at home. But that's far— that's still far away from the great right. books model, which um, is I, I think a very important way to learn, especially on the graduate level. Right, I think. Right. Now, when we look at human action, what's
0: what strikes me first and foremost? This is a book I read in fits and starts in the 1990s, uh, uh, but what really impresses me or has been impressed upon me, Mises didn't write this as a textbook. This this is a treatise. It's a compendium. It's sort of an overarching. Uh, work, but it doesn't read like a textbook, like it was designed for graduate or even undergraduate students. Would you agree?
1: Uh, I do agree, yes. And it also, it is also more than just a book on economics. So it, it, right. uh, is, is had, it provides a broader perspective uh, on really uh, draws a big picture on social reality and goes beyond what is uh, commonly considered to be economics. I think right. um, the part that really fits into what is today, seen as economics, would be maybe part four, um, the part on the free market uh, economy. Um, But he has uh, all these foundations uh, laid out at the beginning in the first three parts that you would not find, certainly not in a textbook in economics today.
0: Well, Joe, what's interesting to me is I'm a lawyer, not an economist. And uh, a lot of non-economists who read this book actually enjoy and find part one, the human action part, uh, the most interesting part of the book, I found a lot of e- economists find that the most daunting part of the book. So it's sort of a, 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 mm. a left-right part of the brain question. Um, I, I found the, the philosophical elements of the book to be the most interesting.
2: Right. Um, I think the, um, epistom- you know, the epistemology that's set out in the beginning of the book um, is such that it deals with something that we all do, but we don't know that we're doing it. Uh, that's the way Wicksteed uh, defined economics, who was uh, uh, sort of in the Austrian tradition. Uh, and, and what Mises does is, is, is to set out the, 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 fa- the philosophical foundations of economics, which really goes deeply into philosophy. Mises was a very good philosopher, but he was a very economical one. He just picked those parts that he thought um, were necessary f- to found economics.
0: But when you're looking through the book, you know, today we're in an age of hyper specialization in academia, Yeah, but th- this book has philosophy, it has logic, it has sociology, it has political science. Uh, do you think in a sense, w- was it just a different time then, or d- did Mises know that this would open him to criticism, that he's writing this overarching book about, about human action in society and um, th- this seems like first a daunting task, and mm-hmm. second, something that's going to open you, open one to criticism from people in other um, uh, in, in other uh, a- academic fields. Who are oh my gosh, this guy's talking about fields in which he's he's not qualified to speak about. It seems like that would be the reaction today.
1: Um, I don't think that this is the reason why the book was criticized. Um, it's uh, generally considered to be uh, good to, to write a treatise, uh, more encompassing treatise, mm-hmm. uh, incorporate more aspects of uh, than not, not only economic ones. But I think the book and certainly the epistemological foundations that Mises uh, explains uh, went very much against the trend of the time. So in national economy already he spends a lot of time criticizing uh, Spann and Marx. And then in the English uh, version, Human Action, he shifts, uh, he adopts the content a bit to the English speaking audience and focuses more on criticizing positivism as the leading uh, uh, methodological, or epi- epistemological foundation for economics. And this was very much against uh, the mainstream at the time, I, I think, and that is the reason why it was uh, very critically received. Okay
2: also it's it's policy prescriptions uh the, the the policy towards the end of the book um which is really hardcore laissez-faire uh that drew a lot of criticism uh, john kenneth galbraith for example um in his review of of the book um was astounded that mises would would uh, call for the legalization of opium uh so uh you know this these were you know, his policy prescriptions were going were dead set Against the, um, the the modern liberal uh, beliefs of the time,
0: you're talking about methodology and positivism. Uh, how th- this is the book where he really lays out and solidifies his praxeological framework for for approaching economics. How, how radical was that? And, and, and how much of a diversion was it for, for him writing this at the time?
2: I don't think it was radical from the point of view of what economics had been up until around the early 1930s. Mm-hmm. Uh, general equilibrium theory, which is a static, mechanical way of explaining economic, economic activity, was only big in France and, 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 and Italy, Italy um, and, and there were only small groups doing it. But what happened was that as the 30s wore on, and Mises saw this, uh, the old style economics that was deductive, that started from principles that uh, or or uh, axioms or facts that no one would deny, that that started to go into decline. And so what Mises saw himself as was the last Mengerian. Karl Menger was the founder of the Austrian school. He put the um, human wants and human choices and people striving to satisfy their wants at the center of economics. And Mises saw that that was starting to be lost with with this um, introduction of of what we call general equilibrium theory which treats people like stones atoms and so on
0: but he, he must have been a concern deeply concerned i mean this is he he has the benefit you know now as we're getting late into the 1940s before the the book's release he uh, unlike some of his earlier works he's now has the hindsight benefit of having seen the great depression worldwide right, and also right. uh, two horrific world wars so uh, you know these these events and, and of course the rise of marxist and keynesian uh, thought especially in academia these must have been seriously alarming uh,
2: ideas to him this yep. must—this is a book he wrote that was that was a, a warning yeah i think so um, Mises was very prolific throughout his career he would be published a lot but if you look from 1934 when he started work on human action till 1939 he only published a few book reviews and one or two articles because he was hard at work on this book um, and secondly, I think at that point, Mises saw that the tide had turned against his style of economics. So what he did was he just looked straight ahead and he, st- he, he, he stated the foundations of economics uh, and the, the content of economics itself and then what its policy prescriptions would be uh, for a prosperous and peaceful society. So I think instead of losing heart from things going against him, he just became more uh, stronger in his his beliefs and in his desire to put forth uh, th- this what he believed to be the correct system of economics
0: Carl, uh, Carl, do you see this book as a as his biggest achievement or do you think in in some sense as a you know theory of money and credit something he releases as a ver- as a much younger man and something that applies the whole concept of evaluation uh, subjectivity to, to monetary theory in a sense, although this is his magnum opus, in a sense, that was a pretty big achievement on its own.
1: That's certainly true. I think the theory of money and credit was already a very big achievement. Uh, it contains the first outlines of his famous business cycle theory. But Mises himself uh, said later uh, in his life that yeah, his also his monetary theory only came to full completion in human action. Okay. Right. And so uh, human action really is the, the treatise that contains the whole Misesian uh, framework. Uh,
0: but imagine having to come to the United States at an advanced age. Back then, 50 was older than it is today. And, and having very rudimentary, if any, English. Uh, have you read uh, Mises in, much in German?
1: Um, I actually have read him mostly in English. Okay, That's right. due to the Mises Institute, right. because you provide all the books right. uh, for free <laughs> online. So, um, But I have read parts of national economy, the German language uh, predecessor to human action. And um, yeah, on, on Mises' situation back in the 40s when he came to the US, uh, I think his English was good in, in written uh, okay. form but uh, um, he had problems with the pronunciation, and okay. so he had really to work on that. But he was um, reading and also publishing in English before he came to the U.S.
0: But, but some of the uh, concepts contained in, in the books that he ultimately produced in English uh, are, are very technical. Uh, you know, there could be some things lost in translation. It must have been v- very difficult to express uh, some of the deep things he expresses in this book in, yeah. in, yeah, in a non-native that, tongue. Yeah, it's that, an achievement. Yes. It is very mm-hmm.
1: difficult, but it also um, um, can be helpful. Um, I think hans Hermann Hoppe once said that when he came to the earth and had to write in English, he had to be much more concise. He had to really think about what he wants to say, oh. um, because he couldn't not just you know uh, um, use uh, all the vocabulary that he has in his mother tongue to... Uh, Provide a very stylistic uh, outline of his argument. He really had to be concise and precise uh, in in the use of language. So that might also be helpful when you when you switch to English.
2: Yeah, I, yes, I want to ma- um, make a comment about uh, a myth uh, about human action, and that is that well, Mises wrote that when he was an older man. I mean, he was he was in his sixties when he wrote uh, National Economy, and, and 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 near seventy when the Human Action came out. Uh, so m- many, um, some Austrians claim that, well, if you want to look at Mises' monetary theory, you really have to read the theory of money and credit, which you do have to read, but that that that's what he really meant. So he hadn't, but, but really he hadn't developed his thought yet. Uh, it's like saying that, well, if you really want to know what Keynes meant, don't look at the general theory. He was older then. He was in the 60s. Uh, look look back at uh, 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 the um, a tract on, on, on money that he wrote in the 1920s. Uh, so I, I think we can um, sort of dismiss that. Uh, generally, those people are people who, who liked the fact that that in theory of money and credit, Mises was sort of ambiguous on whether or not he thought fiduciary media, oh, that is unbacked deposits, uh, always created the business cycle. Whereas by the time of Human Action, he's saying yes, any time a bank in, injects new money into the credit markets by creating deposits, there there will follow the um, uh, symptoms of a, bu- a business cycle.
0: Well Joe, talk a little bit about how the book stands up over time. I know I mean there's there's uh, lots of passages that are prescient. Uh, I was just reading one today that uh, Bettina Graves points out he's talking about in the 40s talking about how what social security might look like in nineteen seventy you know and he and he, he says well these I, these are just IOUs, checks drawn on future taxpayers Wow, which of course sounds pretty prescient yeah, yeah, today yeah,
2: yes. uh, how, how do you think the book holds up? Well, I think it holds up because he, he, he pointed out early on that central banks were prone to, to inflation, that uh, the ideology of the time was um, at first that, well, you need to create money uh, to uh, finance government deficits, but that eventually it would, it would shift, and it was shifting at the time, to holding interest rates low. And he was completely correct about that. Uh, today, the interest rate is the tool. "Quote unquote," that is used um, by the Fed to um, uh, regulate the money supply, and you know we're, they're talking about zero interest rates, negative interest rates. Uh, so, so, so Mises was, I, I think, prescient uh, by by, uh, by understanding that that this would would be the ideology that ruled central banks going forward.
1: And of course, uh, Mises uh, already pointed out that the fundamental problem of uh, a, uh, of a socialist alternative or interventionist alternative to the free market is always a moral hazard and that's right. a timeless uh, mm-hmm. insight that's true today as it was back then
0: well a couple quick devil's advocate questions one one thing that mises talks about uh, not at length but but alludes to in this book is democracy which he was a democrat someone who thought saw democracy as the as the best available uh, path to a, a laissez-faire society. Uh, do you think uh, g- given the, the benefit of time today, he he would still think that? Or do you think that that was the uh, g- given that he was a man from old Europe and had right. seen two world wars, do you think that that's, uh, uh, that he was right?
1: Um, I think he would still hold this position today, but only in combination with uh, the possibility of um yes self-determination if you want to call it that or a secession right right, right. Um, so yes. and and the biggest i think is in uh, on the theory of democracy all have pointed out this even Rousseau uh, that uh, democracy can only work in relatively small uh, communities it's nothing for uh, for the w- entire world or for right. big uh, um, multinational uh, communities
2: yeah, Mises saw that um, having different peoples or different nations in the European sense under one democratic government was was a recipe for 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 nationality conflicts. So he would be he would be good on that today. Uh, the other the other point to make, though, in the early nineteen fifties, when he was in the U.S. and the old right was still active, including Isabel Patterson and so on, they severely criticized Mises for his stand on on democracy mm-hmm. on on what they saw was unlimited democracy. Talk a little bit about his utilitarian view. Can, can
0: utilitarianism justify laissez-faire or, or, or did we need Rothbard to come along and, and create a, a new natural rights
2: uh, uh, foundation for, for laissez-faire, a, a, a normative approach? I don't think Mises was a utilitarian in the strict sense, even though he referred to himself as a utilitarian. I think what Mises did was to, to, to look at at, at what would lead to human flourishing and social peace and prosperity and the division of labor. And in that sense, he was a consequentialist. He said, well, we need laissez-faire capitalism to allow uh, society to coalesce and flower. Uh, And anything that goes against this, uh, no matter how small, is a movement towards the destruction of society. So he's not a a utilitarian in Benthamite sense, not even in a broader sense of a rule utilitarian uh, like Hayek seemed to have been.
1: Yeah, Well, I think in terms of um, policy conclusions, n- there are nuances. The differences oh, right. are not very big and uh, I think um, whether you consider him a utilitarian or whether you prefer the Rothbardian natural rights approach. Yeah, this caters to different tastes. I would I think in terms of the ultimate conclusions that are reached, uh, the the divide is not very big. And I think uh, Mises has has delivered a, a strong defense. I mean, it's not not flawless. Uh, there are inconsistencies and, and uh, things to debate, even in, in, sure. in, in the Misesian uh, in, mm. in the Misesian system. Um, but uh, that's that's true for everyone, uh, for every thinker. So. Um,
0: Last point I'd like to touch on, the end of the book, um, Mises has some fairly harsh words for academia. He also has some, uh, uh, ex- he also exhorts ordinary people to learn economics and study about it. He says this is a, the proper and st- main study for all, uh, you know, ordinary lay people. Um, talk about the, the end of the book and the, the uh, teaching of economic science and, and Mises' view on the proper way to teach economic science.
1: Well, yeah, Mises insists that economics uh, shouldn't be something for an elite group of experts. Um, It's very important, and you pointed out that he was a Democrat, he uh, advocated uh, the democratic system. And in a democracy, it's of crucial importance that the the voters have at least a basic understanding of economic principles, that they can understand uh, the consequences, the intended and unintended consequences of Political decisions and and propositions that the different parties are making and uh, letting the people vote on.
2: Yes, I I think they should. I mean, they should be prepared. They they should do some advanced reading, um, advanced reading like Hazlitt's um, Economics in One Lesson, and and and, um, uh, and then work themselves up to Rothbard's Man, Economy, and State, and then then read this book. Um, I think. I think an intelligent layperson will be able to grapple with the book and get the main lessons uh, that are important out of the book. And, um, and it, it's actually important. It's a, it's a joy to read. It's not difficult to read. Well, we are out
0: of time. Ladies and gentlemen, the Scholar's Edition of Human Action is available at Mises.org. You can read the HTML version completely free. Uh, thanks so much to Dr. Joe Salerno and to Carl Friedrich Israel for joining us, and have a great weekend